information. Well, good evening. Welcome to our worship, uh, online worship service this evening here at Grace Covenant. Uh, we continue to trust the Lord um, and to wait on him as we continue to wrestle uh, with the challenges right now um, having to do with uh, the coronavirus, social distancing, and um, how to continue to meet together uh, to some degree as God's people um, on the Lord's Day. Uh, today, um, for many, uh, we would refer uh, to this uh, as Palm Sunday, uh, and for many who practice the church calendar, is often referred to as the first day of Holy Week. So this is a week that quite often uh, has some extra things involved with it. Uh, so this coming Friday, on Good Friday, uh, I will be doing another live stream um, where I will uh, walk us through a, a short Good Friday service with uh, readings from Scripture um, as we reflect on and contemplate um, just the amazing, the amazing truth um, that God not only has come to us in the flesh, uh, but he went to the cross and took our sins on him uh, and died on that cross for his people. And so we will, uh, uh, Friday, um, <clears throat> Friday at noon, uh, we will do a short live stream, um, have a brief devotional on that. Uh, continue to watch your email for different um, opportunities. Um, as we uh, try to continue to figure out how to be creative with the technology. Uh, so far, we have attempted the Westminster study, uh, and we have uh, had a couple of uh, prayer meetings through Zoom. Please continue to watch for those opportunities, and I would really encourage you uh, to take advantage of them, um, as it is such a blessing to be able to, even if it's just through the computer screen, to be able to see the different faces and hear the different voices. Um, as we continue to walk um, hand in hand as God's people during this time. So continue to watch for those opportunities and uh, try to make the most of them as you are able. Well, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. As we begin this evening, let us look um, or hear um, from Psalm 118, these are, this is not the entire Psalm, um, but it are some portions of Psalm 118. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Out of my distress I call on the Lord, and the Lord answered me, and he set me free. The Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like a fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was failing, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. 
The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Indeed, the Lord is good to us. He has come near to us. He has come into the very midst of our existence. He has come into an existence of, uh, in which he lived in a world uh, of sin and death as one who was perfectly righteous. And he came to the end of his uh, earthly ministry through a death on a cross in which he was surrounded by all of his and our enemies, both seen and unseen. And yet, it is through the cross that he has achieved the victory over sin and death and through his resurrection that he has been exalted to the right hand of God where we, as those united to him by faith, we are, exalt, are exalted and we, we, we uh, ascend even this evening to worship and to praise as God's people who, though we feel the acute awareness of being surrounded uh, by sin and death and especially disease right now, we also take a moment to be reoriented to who we are as the heavenly people of God seated at the right hand. And so let your heart this evening reflect upon the words of the hymn, All Glory, Laud, and Honor, as we think about uh, and as, as we uh, reflect upon who our God is uh, this Lord's Day evening. All glory, laud, and honor to thee, Redeemer King, to whom the lips of children made sweet hosannas ring. Thou art the King of Israel, thou David's royal son, who in the Lord's name comest, the King and blessed one. The people of the Hebrews with palms before thee went, our praise and prayer and anthems before thee we present. To thee, before thy passion, they sang their hymns of praise. To thee, now high exalted, our melody we raise. Thou didst accept their praises, accept the prayers we bring, who in all good delightest, thou good and gracious King. All glory, laud, and honor to thee, Redeemer King, to whom the lips of children made sweet hosannas ring. Let's pray. O oh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we praise you as our triune God that from eternity past determined to create and to redeem a people for yourself and to do so by having the Son come to this earth, to come into this world, one who was born in great humility, one who was born poor, one who was uh, born in a manger in a stable. 
We praise you, O oh God, for this plan that you have had and this plan that you are executing through your Son, Jesus Christ, and applying through the Holy Spirit. We thank you that you love us and that you care for us and that you are guiding us right now through the difficulties and the trials of a fallen world in order to bring us in safety to the fullness of the world to come where we will enjoy you as your people, no longer trying to enjoy you while we continue to struggle with sin and with death and disease, but where we will enter into the fullness of what it means to have been born anew in Jesus Christ and exalted to your unmediated glory. And so help us this evening, O oh God, to cut through the cares and concerns that we bring to this time of worship and to be able to focus in a new way on who you are and what you are doing for us and that you would help us to listen to you and that you would help us to see and savor our Savior Jesus Christ all the more. For we pray this in his name. Amen. Well, our Old Testament reading this evening comes to us from Zechariah 9, where I will be reading verses 9 through 17. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim, and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore to you double, for I have bent Judah as my bow. I have made Ephraim its arrow. I will stir up your sons, O Zion, against your sons, O Greece, and wield you like a warrior's sword. Then the Lord will appear over them, and his arrow will go forth like lightning. The Lord God will sound the trumpet and will march forth in the whirlwinds of the south. The Lord of hosts will protect them, and they shall devour and tread down the sling stones, and they shall drink and roar as if drunk with wine, and be full like a bowl, drenched like the corners of the altar. On that day, the Lord their God will save them as the flock of his people, for like the jewels of a crown they shall shine on his land. For how great is his goodness, and how great his beauty. Grain shall make the young men flourish, and new wine the young women. Our gospel reading this evening takes up this prophecy from Zechariah 9 and shows how it came to fulfillment uh, in the occasion of Jesus Christ coming to Jerusalem and entering on a donkey. Our gospel reading comes to us from John chapter four, uh, 12, uh, where I will read verses 12 through 16. 
The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. Our readings this evening from the Old Testament and the fulfillment of the prophecy uh, here in the Gospel of John is a wonderful reminder that our God has a plan and he has purposes set in place. And yet the people of God find ourselves so often living in a time of waiting, <coughs> living in a time in which we are called to trust the Lord and to wait for his provision to be revealed. In the Old Testament, uh, in Zechariah, the people of God had, because of their idolatry, they had been exiled from the promised land. And yet, after being uh, exiled for 70 years, the Lord graciously and faithfully brought them back to the promised land. And yet, what we find after that is that the people of God had not really changed. There was still sin. There was still selfishness. There was still living for themselves instead of living for God. There was living for God as long as it benefited them, but not when it was costly. Though they had been returned to the land, the land was overrun with enemies. It was still not really theirs to live and to dwell in as they desired. And so their longing was for the promise of salvation. Their longing was for the promise of a king, one who would come and bring the warfare to end, one who would come and establish them in their land as they had long hoped. What we find in the Gospel of John is that Jesus Christ is that king that the people of God have been waiting on. And yet, they did not understand what it was that they were looking for. Even the disciples, those who had been with Jesus Christ, who had heard not only his preaching in public, but had had personal conversations with him behind the scenes, even though, even they who had been with Jesus that way did not really understand what was happening when Jesus came riding in on that donkey. They did not understand the fulfillment that was taking place because their expectations of that fulfillment looked different to them than what they were experiencing. The reason I bring this up is as we ourselves are living in a time in which we are waiting for the Lord, waiting to see what he is going to do with the coronavirus, waiting to see if things are going to return back to what we consider normal. As we are in this position of waiting, 
it is very easy for us not to understand the many ways that God is with us and the many ways that God um, is working these, uh, all of these things for our good. Like the disciples, it may not be for a long time that we are able to look back and realize what was really going on. And so as it is easy for us to grow impatient while we wait, and as it is easy for us uh, to miss what God is doing among us because it doesn't match our expectations, we are going to respond to this Old Testament reading and gospel reading this evening by spending a few moments in confession of sin. Let us confess silently, uh, and then in a few moments, I will confess uh, congregationally for us. Let us pray. O gracious Heavenly Father, we confess before you as your people how easy it is to lose track of the amazing reality that we live in a time that the Old Testament saints longed to see. That we live in a period of history that the Old Covenant prophets longed to understand that we live in a time, Lord, of fulfillment of all of your promises which have been made yes and amen in Jesus Christ. And yet we confess this evening, O oh God, how easy it is for us to take lightly that we live in the day of fulfillment. It is true, Lord, that things have not been completely fulfilled and, and consummated in their fullness. But how easy it is, Lord, for us to focus on what we are not experiencing rather than to set our hearts and our faith on the things that are real. Confess how easy it is to get distracted. And how easy it is, Lord, for us to grow impatient. And so, Lord, we ask this evening that you would hear our confession of sin and that you would renew your mercies to us and grant us the grace, Lord, to be able as your people to once again grasp what it is for us to live as those in Jesus Christ, those living after his life, his incarnation, his crucifixion, his resurrection, and his ascension. As we go into this week of where there is a little bit, uh, for many, Lord, a, a more, uh, more purposeful reflection 
on these things. Help us to grasp the privilege of not only knowing them, Lord, but having been changed and renewed by them. And may we respond, Lord, to your regeneration and to your sanctifying work within our lives by doing our parts in responding with faith and with trust and with obedience as we seek to live out what you have done for us and who you have made us to be in your Son. Lord, we thank you for the confidence that fulfilled prophecy gives to us to renew our dedication to your word as we see and savor Jesus Christ as he is presented to us in the Holy Scriptures. Lord, hear our confession. Renew us in, in your grace. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For our epistle reading this evening is also our assurance of pardon, and it comes to us from Colossians 2, verses 9 through 15. For in Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Beloved, the triumph of our Savior Jesus Christ was not accomplished when he rode into the city of Jerusalem on a colt, receiving the praise and adoration of those who were excited about him because he had raised Lazarus from the dead and because they had become convinced that he was the one who would overturn the political rivals of, of, the, of uh, the Jews and establish them over all the nations. Instead, the triumph of our Savior was seen as he went humbly, entering, yes, humbly on a donkey, but becoming even more humbled as he allowed sinful and wicked men to catch him. He didn't have to allow that, but he allowed himself to be caught. He allowed himself to be derided. He allowed himself a mock trial in which justice was not carried out. He allowed all of these things as he was hit and spit upon and beaten in order that he may truly triumph by going to the cross and taking our place on it. The triumph of our Savior came in the humility of death. 
And this is so often not the way that we understand victory, and it can be so hard for us to understand. And yet the promise here is true, that Jesus has won. He has put all of his and our enemies to open shame, and he has united us to himself, where we were with him on the cross, and we have passed with him through death and into resurrection life. So beloved, hear this evening once again that all of the legal demands of the law have already been fulfilled. And all of the legal condemnation for breaking the law has been fulfilled. And you and I, beloved, when we rest and receive Jesus Christ as he is offered to us in the gospel, we are free. We are no longer those who are counted as sinners, but we are now those who are reckoned as righteous in Jesus Christ. Your sins are forgiven. You are counted as righteous. And we now have that privilege and calling to live as expressions of victory as we continue to model the humility of our Savior and follow in the footsteps. This is a glorious news. This is why we call it the good news of the gospel. And yet, we must confess that this can still be scary to us as we are following Jesus Christ continually through the valley of the shadow of death. And so this evening, let your heart uh, uh, meditate upon these words from an old hymn that has recently been uh, made renewed. It is a hymn called, He Will Hold Me Fast. Let these words comfort your hearts and, and let these words encourage you uh, to hold fast to the one who will never let you go. When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, he will hold me fast. I could never keep my hold through life's fearful path. For my love is often cold. He must hold me fast. He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. For my Savior loves me so. He will hold me fast. Those he saves are his delight. Christ will hold me fast. Precious in his holy sight, he will hold me fast. He'll not let my soul be lost. His promises shall last. Bought by him at such a cost, he will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. For my Savior loves me so, he will hold me fast. For my life he bled and died. Christ will hold me fast. Justice has been satisfied. He will hold me fast. Raised with him to endless life, he will hold me fast. Till our faith is turned to sight when he comes at last. He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. For my Savior loves me so. He 
will hold me fast. Well, this evening, let's take a few moments as we focus in this uh, brief homily on a passage of scripture that I, I started to do last week, but instead did the Mark 6 passage. So I made the decision to come back to it and to do it this week. The title of the homily this evening is Preparing Your Provisions. Preparing Your Provisions. I'm going to read from Joshua 1, verses 8 through 11. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions, for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that your Lord, the Lord, your God, is giving you to possess. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have given us your word as a record of the amazing things that you have done within history and as an interpretation of the meaning of those actions. And so give us eyes to see and ears to hear, Lord, as we look to you and your word and as we listen for you to speak. Lord, we need this now as we find ourselves in a unique and unprecedented period for, for us as believers, um, as we continue to watch and to wait. And so, Lord, encourage us through your word, for we pray this ever and always in Jesus' name. Amen. Preparing your provisions. What does it look like to wait? What does it look like to wait? You and I find ourselves right now, if we are honest with ourselves, feeling at least like this is a time in which we are waiting. We're waiting to see what is going to happen. We're waiting to see what's going to happen with regards to the disease, COVID-19. We are waiting to see what's going to happen with regards to the science of whether or not they're going to find a vaccine. We're waiting to see what's going to happen in terms of healthcare right now, as we are being told uh, that there are more cases coming and that there are many uh, different healthcare systems around our country that are fearful of being overrun by this disease. We are waiting to see what is going to happen. We are waiting to see what's going to happen with regards to the economy. Well, many are waiting to see what's gonna happen with regards to their job. We are waiting to see what's going to happen with regard to finances. We're waiting to see what's gonna happen with regards to being able to get food. 
or at least being able to get toilet paper. We are in a position of waiting. And there are so many more things that I could say that we are waiting for. But I think you get the point. We find ourselves in a position of waiting, but we are not sure what is going to happen, and we are not sure how it's going to happen when it does. How do we wait? What does it look like to wait well? Especially when the waiting itself is part of the very trial and challenge in which you live. This is exactly what the people of God found themselves experiencing as they had come to the brink of the Jordan River. They were called as the people of God. They had been redeemed out of bondage and slavery to Egypt. And God had guarded them in front. He had guarded them in the rear. They had even um, experienced this miraculous crossing of the Red Sea. Were they, they, were, they found themselves on, the, on the, the banks of the Red Sea with Pharaoh's armies coming up behind them. They were pinned in and they were scared and they did not know what was going to happen. And the Lord miraculously divided the waters and they were able to walk through on dry ground. Here we find the people of God once again faced with chaotic waters. The waters here, we are told uh, a couple chapters later in chapter 3 that the waters had overrun the banks, that this was the time of the harvest, and this was the time in which uh, there was more water than normal. And so the water had overrun the banks. The river was wider than it would normally be. And because and the, what made it wider was that there was a greater volume of water and we all know what happens when there's a greater volume of water than normal. The water runs faster. The water becomes more violent. The water becomes more tumultuous. The water becomes even more of a threat than it would normally be. And so it would already be threatening to be sitting there on the banks watching this river, knowing that you were being called to cross it, and you didn't know how you were going to do that. And you didn't know how you were going to get your children across safely because you weren't only called to, deal, to, to lead uh, yourself, you were called to lead your family. How will I get my kids across? How am I going to get our things across? How will I get our herds across? How will I get our animals? How will I get our possessions? How will I get those tangible things of this world that give me the feeling of comfort and security. How will I get them across? How will God get us across? They were in a position of waiting and not exactly even knowing what they were waiting for. And so God provides a word to his people through Joshua, through the elders. And the word that he provides them is a reminder that he is the one who redeemed them out of bondage and slavery in Egypt. 
And he did so in fulfillment to the promise to the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to have to give his people a land and to have his people in that land. It is across the banks of the River Jordan that the land is there staring them in the face. And so there are long promises that God had made where God had done many things to get them to that point. You know, their parents had also gotten to that point. And when they were faced with the trial of trusting God for him to do something that they didn't know how he would do it, they failed. They did not embrace his promise. Instead, they allowed the fears of the unknown to overtake them. And they did not enter in. And instead, they went into 40 years of wandering in the wilderness until that faithless generation passed on. These are their children. And here they are as the people of God once again. And now we are told that they have three days of sitting here, watching the water, the chaotic, tumultuous rivers, uh, uh, waters of the river, as they wait to see what God is going to do. How do you wait well? How do you wait in such a way that you trust and that you actually get yourself ready for when God does act? Well, here we are told in Joshua chapter 1 that first and foremost, they are to be a people of his word. What they find themselves in right now in this period of waiting is a period in which they're not traveling, a period in which they don't have uh, other distractions. They have actually had the distractions taken away from them, and they now have a unique period of time in which they can concentrate on God's word and God's And so he calls them to meditate day and night and to be careful to receive what is in that word so that they may do it. You see, the wisdom of receiving God's word manifests itself in a wise life lived out. What he means by being prosperous here is not prosperous in the sense that we think of as Americans, but it is uh, to prosper here is to receive what God has promised. It is to live within the safety and the shelter of his presence and not to go beyond that presence and not to fall behind that presence, but to stay right there with the Lord. And when they do, they will have success. The success of following God and receiving what he has promised. It is when we find ourselves living in the shelter of that presence of God, which is always with us, that we find the strength and the courage to keep pressing forward, not having to be controlled by fear, even if we experience fear, but instead allowing the presence of God to give us the courage to take one step after another.
And one of the things that we so often forget, beloved, in a time especially like this, is what a lot of, of, of life, what it comes down to, especially in moments like this, when there is something unusual and when the distractions of the world have been removed and when we are face to face with the reality of what is in front of us and the difficulty in the trial that it presents. Beloved, what we have to do is make a decision. So often we forget that. So many decisions are made for us in this life. When I get up, when I go to work, what I do with my money, how I live and, and what I do with my time and my treasures and my talents, for many of us, so many of those decisions are made for us. And we forget that at the end of the day, we are called as the people of God to actively engage our faith by making a decision that I'm going to listen to God and I'm going to follow him because he is trustworthy. What is interesting to me right now is that one of the biggest distractions that has been taken away for us is something that God never promised to us. You and I, beloved, we live as American Christians in a land definitely that has been marked by prosperity, a land that has been marked by um, economic, not just economic security, but economic growth. We live in a land of many freedoms. And yes, I know that some of you right now are wanting to play devil's advocate and say, well, but our freedoms are being eroded. And, and what about this? And what about that? You know what? There's a time and place for that. But if you can't wrap your heart and mind around the enormous blessings that we have experienced, then you're not going to be able to take advantage of the fact that so often these blessings become distractions and God is removing those. So many of us at times struggle to think that to live the victorious Christian life is to live the American dream. And make no doubt right now, the American dream is not doing too well. It is under threat. But beloved, God never promised us as his people to live the American dream. What he promised us is that he would never leave us nor forsake us and that he would provide exactly what we need in order to fulfill the mission and purpose that he has for us as his people. And the mission and purpose that God has for us is not in building great lives with that um, as this world evaluates. It is by living lives in which we are giving unto God our time and our treasures and our talents as we follow our king and as we manifest his rule within this world. We are, as we have been saying here at Grace Covenant, we are one in, in, in God's life 
We are one in his love, and we are one in his mission. We are participants in the mission of God. And that is what is being laid out here before the people of God in Joshua 1. It is their mission. And so the distractions are being taken away so that they can focus their hearts and minds on their mission and take time to get everything focused on God. Beloved, that is what we do have as a benefit right now. And what I would hope is that we would not be like the disciples who wouldn't see the blessing of God in the moment because it wasn't what we were expecting, but that instead we would take advantage of this time of having the distractions of this world, having the distractions of the pressures of life in, in American culture, to have uh, uh, the distractions that keep us from focusing on giving ourselves wholly and completely unto God because we are giving a piece of ourselves here and a piece of ourselves there. Let us take advantage of this time and renew our hearts and minds and setting them upon God as he is removing the distractions that we so often allow ourselves to, to lead us to get confused or to mix our, our allegiances. God is removing those distractions so that we can set our hearts and minds on him, his presence, and his promises as we wait. And so what does waiting look like right now? Waiting looks like this. We embrace God in his word so that we, in being renewed day after day in his presence and promises, will not be controlled by fear, but instead will make a decision every day to live in the strength of God and to be courageous. And then lastly, that we will prepare our provisions. It seems so simple. But as they are faced with something that is beyond them, and as they have the time to contemplate what is coming without really understanding it, what they are told to do is to prepare their provisions. Their waiting is marked by doing the work of getting ready. And so during this time right now where it is so easy, because our schedules are different and because our working is different and because our schooling is different because all these different things right now that are so different than what we normally experience it can become very easy to become passive and to take a step back and to let the new uh, circumstances of this life to determine how we live and what we do right now beloved let me encourage you not to make the same mistake that I feel like I have been making, but instead to live a life of preparation. Go to bed at the normal time. Get up at the normal time. Eat at the normal time and eat normal food. Oh, how easy is it to look for comfort in these trying times by 
eating the comfort foods that give us a momentary um, good pleasure. But instead, let us do the normal things of everyday life. Wash your clothes, mow the grass, go about your daily life, and then get creative with how you help one another out in this time of waiting. My encouragement to you this week is to do something that is active as an expression of our shared life and mission in Jesus Christ. And so consider this. I would like to challenge you, each of you, to call one person every day this week to see how they're doing and to give a word of encouragement. Call one person every day this week, not the same person each day, but take the church directory, look at the names and phone numbers that are there and call one and then pray with them. It may not appear to be much to you, but this is what it means for us to be the people of God and to embody the presence and the promises of God. That's to talk with one another and to pray with one another. And so consider doing that. And then secondly, consider participating in some of the opportunities that we have right now. Right now, uh, Kaya, the food ministry, they still need food. And so consider a way that for you to participate, either by giving some money or by providing some food directly, but consider how you might be able to help participate even as you are practicing self-distancing. Consider how you might engage with something like that. Or maybe you take advantage of the opportunity we have right now to make face masks in order to help those in the public right now who don't have access to them. Consider whether or not you are someone um, that can sew and that you can help prepare that way. And those aren't the only ways that we can actively engage right now. Those aren't the only ways to prepare our provisions. But they are a couple of, of ways that we can participate right now as we have the distractions of this life removed from us where we can set our hearts and minds once again on making daily decisions to embrace the presence of God and to manifest that presence through courageous service, however that may look for you right now. And so as we uh, continue to wait, as we continue to wait as those who look at the tumultuous waters of the river that are passing before us in a way that makes us scared and tempts us to think that there is no way. Let us remember that the way forward for the people of God was in the Ark of the Covenant, entering into the waters first for them. And as the Ark of the Covenant entered into those waters, it is in the presence of God in that Ark of the Covenant that those waters became still and those waters divided and the people of God passed safely through them. 
Beloved, the presence of our God is never meant to remove the challenges from us. That presence is always there to help, to help us pass through the test as we trust in him. And so maybe even to encourage you with the presence of God in Jesus Christ, who has come not in the form of a box, but has come in the form of man, and who lived and who was courageous in the face of threats day after day after day. He did not return evil with evil, but instead responded to evil with good. He was faithful to his father, and he was gracious and loving to us. And he passed through the trials on our behalf in order to give us what we need to be strong and courageous in following him. And so as God has come in the, in the person of his son, and as he has passed through judgment and sin and death for us, instead of looking at the tumultuous waters of the unknown that is before us right now with COVID-19, maybe instead reflect upon the waters of your baptism, a baptism in which God promised to be your God and to make you his child, the promise that God is with you and that you are never alone, the promise that he cleanses you of your sin so that you do not have to suffer condemnation, a promise that Jesus Christ has fulfilled on his cross and in his beautiful resurrection. Beloved, let the waters of your baptism comfort you in this time to give you the courage to watch and to wait, preparing your provisions. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we praise you for your amazing grace, the way that you take care of us and you give us everything that we need. But give us eyes to see that, and give us ears to hear it, and give us courage, Lord, to take action. Help us to be creative. Help us not to sit back and be carried away by sadness over what we are seeing around us. But as we experience that sadness, Lord, may we take it to you to experience the joy that you are the one who is guiding and directing all of these things for our good and for our joy. Lord, help us to see it, not just in the future when we look back, but help us to see it even now so that we might be a people of prayer and a people of praise and a people who prepare our provisions to take action when you lead us and give us opportunity. Lord, pray, we pray and ask, that you would help us as your people to be a people of grace, not in name only with regards to our congregation, but that it would be the means of existence for us as your people, that we would cultivate your grace day after day as we read and meditate upon your word, as we pray and we claim the, the promises that you have given us in your word Lord, help us to be a people cultivating the things of your life so that we 
would be characterized more by life and less by the stress of this world. We pray that you would help the elders of this church as we continue to try to lead well and to figure out how to do things. It's comforting to know, Lord, that in all the things that are different, what is not different is the mission. The mission to make disciples of all the nations. And so we pray, Lord, not only for the work of the elders and the deacons in making disciples here at Grace Covenant, we pray for all the churches here and abroad and for all the different ministries that are involved, Lord, in, in participating in this grand purpose of making disciples. Give them what they need, Lord. Help people to be generous during this dangerous time. Help, Lord, lead this to help us reevaluate our commitments and the way that we utilize our, our time and our treasures and our talents. Father, we pray that you would comfort missionaries, especially who are in foreign countries right now, as they do not have the same access to health care, as they are worried and concerned about their family members here at uh, back in the United States, as they uh, have all the same challenges that we have, Lord, but with even less of the normal comforts during this time. And Father, we pray for the missionaries who, because of the different travel bans that are in place, the different missionaries who are not able to be on mission right now, those who are stuck waiting here in the United States or in other countries, waiting to get back into that place to which you have called them. We ask, Lord, for you to comfort them and that give them courage and strength right now to find ways of practicing um, safety and, and self-distancing, but also finding ways for um, to serve you where, where you have them. We pray for those who are sick. We pray and ask, Lord, that you would be pleased to help get them through the sickness. We pray for the medical personnel that are serving them and ask that you give them daily strength to get out of bed and once again go back to the front line and fight for those who cannot fight for themselves. We pray, Lord, that you would provide them what they need, provide them food each day, provide them rest uh, each night or whenever their opportunity is to rest, Lord. Give them strength to, uh, of, of not only in their body, but give them strength of mind, not to grow weak and not to grow weary. We pray for the governing officials and ask that you would give them wisdom as they continue to try to understand the unknown and as they try to continue to give wisdom to us. Lord, we pray and ask that you would leave uh, the, the, uh, lead the, the partisan squabbling to end right now. That those who are leading, those who are, are trying to understand things at the macro level and those who are trying to give guidance, Lord, that they would stop having to be embattled in these silly arguments over which party is doing things right. Lord, if there was ever a time for the distractions of politics to be set aside, we ask and we plead right now that that would happen and that instead these leaders who have been put there by you and by our votes 
would find ways to work together as humans and not as politicians. Lord, we pray for those suffering emotionally and psychologically because of either being sick or from the practice of social distancing. Many people going into this, Lord, were already lonely, were already struggling relationally, and now there is even less access than what they had before. We ask that there would be people like us who would find ways to reach out to those around us and to call and give a word of encouragement that people would know that they are not alone. Pray, we pray, Lord, that you would use especially your church right now in reaching out to neighbors or family, uh, those who don't know you, that we would take advantage of this time in which the many distractions that they use to hide from the ultimate questions of life, that as you have removed those, those typical distractions, and as they are finding themselves wrestling with questions of life and death and eternity, Father, let us be those who give them a call and, and engage them in conversation and can give them the hope of Jesus Christ. We pray for those, Lord, who are struggling because of social distancing and are self-medicating with food or with alcohol or with pornography or with any uh, drugs, any of the things, Lord, that can be used to try to deal with uncertainty. Father, protect people from the false promises that those things offer to them during this time and instead fill them with the true promises of Christ. Help us as your church to reach out to those around us to, to give that kind word and to help encourage people to manage the stress of this time in healthy ways. Father, we pray for the families that struggle on a normal basis with stress and stress-induced uh, abuse. We pray for children right now, Lord, that find themselves living with parents who struggle as abusers, who are living at a time where there is even greater stress that can bring about that abuse. Lord, we pray that you would protect those children and that um, fam uh, the, the families, uh, by reaching out to those around them, would be able to provide a good word and, en and encouragement uh, to parents right now that are stressed and who are tempted to take that stress out on one another or on their children. Lord, there is so much for us to pray for, and there is so much for us uh, to, to attempt right now. Just give us hearts, Lord to realize that what many of us are experiencing right now because of COVID-19, the, the uncertainties of life, the overwhelming majority of people live with that on a daily basis. And so, Lord, make us an empathetic people who will make ourselves available to you and to our neighbor in order to embody and express the hope of Jesus Christ. But in all these things, Lord, we pray knowing that you hear us because in our praying we enter into the prayers of our lord and savior jesus christ whoever lives 
to intercede for us. And so not only do we pray in the name of our Savior Jesus Christ, but we pray even with the words that he gave us to pray when he said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we come to a close this evening, I want to encourage you with the words of the hymn, If Thou But Suffer God to Guide Thee. Let your heart and mind focus in on these uh, encouraging words to us this evening. If thou but suffer God to guide thee and hope in him through all thy ways, he'll give you strength, whatever betide thee, and bear thee through the evil days. Who trusts in God's unchanging love builds on the rock that can't be moved. Only be still and wait his leisure in cheerful hope with heart content to take whate'er thy father's pleasure and all discerning love hath sent. Nor doubt our inmost wants are known to him who chose us for his own. Sing, pray, and keep his ways, his ways unswerving. So do thine own part faithfully and trust his word, though undeserving. Thou yet shalt find it true for thee. God never yet forsook at need the soul that trusted him indeed. Did you hear that? God never yet forsook at need the soul that trusted him indeed. And so as we, it is our calling to embrace this love of God in Christ let us renew our profession of faith as we make a decision tonight. We're going to trust God in this coming week. Let the words, these words from Psalm 118, be the words of your profession of faith tonight and every day in this coming week as we wait and as we watch for the Lord to move among us. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. You are my God. I will give you thanks. You are my God. I will extol you. Beloved, do you realize what it means for the right hand of the Lord to exalt and to do valiantly? It is Christ who is seated at the right hand of God. And beloved, what we are told that as we are united to him by faith, we have been raised and seated with him. We too are those who do valiantly because we are at God's right hand. And so as you go forth as his people to continue in the mission of being one in God's life, love, and his mission. 
be encouraged once again. That glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, in a world without end. Alleluia. Amen. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. That's right. The Lord be with you.